gore And sometimes a little more My Bloody Podcast <laughs> Welcome everyone to your favorite horror podcast of the universe my bloody podcast as the theme song would like to uh like to tell you uh thank you to jonathan atterbury uh we are very happy he made that for us we just love listening to it all the time i'm brian kluger and this is my bloody podcast again on itunes stitcher radio google play all of it and i am joined by the scariest ghoulie and munchy and uh, Leatherface, of them all, he has a chainsaw on every ring finger he has. Preston Barta, how are you? I'm doing well. Preston's chainsaw fingers? <laughs> Preston chainsaw fingers. I believe we have a new name. <laughs> you doing well? Yeah, I'm doing well. been learning how to play the Jurassic Park theme song on my new piano. You got a new piano? Well, um... My wife's uh, grandmother passed away uh, around Christmas, and the piano was in her house. It's a really nice piano that was like made in the seventies, and and so uh, we didn't want to part with it, so we've uh, decided to take it. So it's in our house, and my son is just going crazy on it, and my wife learned how to play Bohemian Rhapsody, and I'm learning the Jurassic Park theme. So is it a baby grand? Is it a what? A baby grand piano? Like a grand piano? Baby grand? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, oh. it's like wood and everything. It's really nice. Nice. Very cool. So are you learning like the... I can play a little bit of it really fast. So I'm very shocked that you're learning Jurassic Park and not like the Halloween theme by John Carpenter or something like well, that. First. Well, J- Jurassic Park is uh, my my introduction to me, at least, to movies. Uh, that was my first theatrical experience. So that theme holds a very dear place in my heart. So I play a little bit of piano, and the two first song, well, the three first songs I ever learned were Pink Panther theme. And then the second was Axel Foley, the Axel F uh, theme, like, and the third (laughs) one was John Carpenter's Halloween theme, which is super fun. Very easy to play. (laughs) I haven't learned the Halloween one yet, but I do know the Exorcist theme and uh, one random one. Uh, Damn it. It's like an oldie song. Uh, Hang on. It's uh that one. Okay, right. look at you Lean playing the me. piano. <laughs> that sounds good, sir. I like it. I gotta come over and we get, we gotta do some dueling pianos, or I'll bring my clarinet over and we can have a klezmer death metal horror band. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> sounds great. <laughs> Uh, we have a great show for you today, this week. Um, we are going to talk about the 2015 Guillermo del Toro movie, the gothic romantic horror film Crimson Peak. 
Uh, we have a lot of news. It is right before Super Bowl. We have bloody questions and bloody recommendations. And then we'll talk about this at the end of the podcast. But we have something very special coming to the podcast next week, right? Correct. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll fill you in on later. You'll have to, you'll have to bear with us uh, through this episode. But we have some fun stuff coming up. But uh, let's talk about some news so far uh, this week in horror. From Sundance, there is a new horror movie called Wounds, like licking your wounds, wounds. Supposedly, it's the nastiest and grossest horror film of the year so far. Uh, Do you know anything about this movie, Preston? Is it going to play at South By? Do you get to see it? Uh, there's a pretty good chance that we should be having the second wave of films coming out and probably the Midnighters announced. And I'm sure they were just waiting until things calmed down at Sundance before they released, uh, new films. And so I hope this is one of those titles that, uh, makes its way into the lineup. But, uh, yeah, I've read uh, a few reviews on the film. Um, and it stars Army Hammer and Dakota Johnson, and a, a lot of the reviews are very vague because the the plot is essentially what you get. Like, so if I if anybody were to try to explain it, it'd be very spoilery, kind of like Cabin in the Woods. So um, as far as I know, it's Army Hammer plays a bartender who's kind of like a asshole, and um, somebody leaves their phone. I assume it's Dakota Johnson's character leaves her phone at the bar or something along those lines. And then, uh, he starts getting texts, uh, and then shit hits the fan essentially. So that's as, that's as much as I know. I didn't want to know too much, but all the headlines are talking about how it's one of the glorious movies that has come out in a while. And it's very nasty and, uh, has a lot of, shares a lot of resemblance, uh, to, has a lot in common with hereditary in terms of uh, disturbing imagery. Um, so most of the violence isn't like in real time. A lot of it is just like frightening images, kind of like hereditary or uh, Suspiria, something like that. So, all right. I've, I've been not reading... like hostile or anything. Oh, no, no. I wouldn't imagine it's like hostile. Uh, so the director, I guess, is Babak Anvari, which I don't know anything against. But I read that there's a lot of like roaches in the movie. And supposedly at the Sunday <laughs> yeah. premiere, they filled the theater with fake cockroaches. <laughs> yeah. Saw some headlines saying this is the real Papa Roach or something <laughs> like that. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> But, uh, yeah, this director did Under the Shadow. I didn't see it, but uh, one of our, my co-writers at FreshFiction.tv, uh, Jared McMillan, he watched it and really enjoyed it. And I think that made his top of maybe it was 2015 or when it came out. But so um, apparently it's a pretty good horror movie. So maybe that's something that we should look into. Yeah, for sure. I mean, this movie looks fun. So I hope that this is playing at South By as well so you get a chance to see it. Yes, I hope so. All right, uh, moving on. Uh, it is the Super Bowl this Sunday. There will be trailers and fun stuff and food and football and all sorts of stuff. Uh, but I guess the mid-season premiere of The Walking Dead will actually uh, be airing Super Bowl Sunday, uh, f- strictly for AMC premiere subscribers. So um, I believe, so I guess the mid-season premiere is actually February 10th, but if you're a AMC premiere subscriber, which I think is $5 a month, 
um, you can get it this Sunday and watch the season opener, the mid-season opener, which is, uh, you know, so many people have left this show. I haven't. <laughs> so uh, I'm still sticking with it, even though most everybody is dead, besides like maybe three main people. Uh, but yeah, I, what, I, you stopped watching this, right? Yeah, yeah. So this is this is all you. Okay, so uh, we'll see. You know, Rick Grimes no longer there. Uh, he is out. He the main guy of the first like basically eight and a half seasons. No longer here. So it's Daryl and Michonne and Carol uh, basically winding up the cast of the originals. But um, if you're into Walking Dead, if you're gonna see it, uh, check it out. Uh, if you're a premiere subscriber on Sunday, if not, you'll wait uh, one week. So just thought that would. I wonder if that's like even an incentive to get premiere. I don't think so. Mm. No. So there you go. That is uh, that news. Let's. Do, did you ever watch uh, new news? Did you ever watch Penny Dreadful, Preston? I never watched it. Okay, so being a horror fan, I think you'll really like it. It was on Showtime. It was three seasons, dealt with monsters and good gothic horror stuff that kind of like goes along with uh, our main event today in um, Crimson Peak. But the Penny Dreadful creator and director Paco Cabezas is returning to direct a spinoff series called City of Angels, uh, which is really cool. I know a lot of people actually liked Penny Dreadful quite a bit. So this is... uh, should be cool. They say it's a spiritual descendant of the story that was set in Victoria-era London. Um, so it will explore new characters and storylines, and it will open not in Victoria-era London, but the ni- late 1930s Los Angeles, which is pretty cool, which is kind of like right around World War II time. Uh, so I think that would be pretty cool, called Penny Dreadful City of Angels. So... I'm definitely excited about this because I liked the original series. So I'm all in for this. I think you'll like it too, Preston. Yeah. Hoping for a Nick Cage cameo. (laughs) City of Angels. Do you think they'll use uh, the Under the Bridge um, song from uh, Red Hot Chili Peppers? Because they talk us <laughs> a city of angels, city I live in. That yeah, that'll fun. fit right into the 1930s, kind of <laughs> like in a, a Great Gatsby, Boz Lerman version. Yes, true. Maybe they'll they'll uh, classy jazz it up or something. I don't know. What, what's the score like in the other one? Uh, Penny Dreadful. It, it's like Victor. It's like you know, kind of classical, but with goth sound. You know to it okay it sounds really cool okay cool because i don't know like my expectations or what i would imagine what the score would be is something like aquaman (laughs) where it's just like (laughs) um yeah it's it's like 300 like heavy metal guitar riffs (laughs) yeah (laughs) um yeah kind of like uh what's the the new ted bundy movie with zach efron that's coming out extremely wicked Yes. Um, if you've seen the trailer for that, they use kind of like a rock Aquaman sounding song that plays underneath the trailer, and it's very weird and throws it off tonally. So yeah, um, well that's good. It's interesting because I've been watching like the Netflix document documentary, the uh, Ted Bundy tapes, where it's like uh-huh. the documentary gearing up for this Zac Efron turn, and I'm very excited about this because I mean. 
Ted Bundy is just like just an enigma and a conundrum of everything and it's just really cool to see Zac Efron taking on this role because there's like moments of Zac Efron I like on screen but that I think this is like his first like actual real role as far as not like something like Neighbors or something like that so yeah well I'm excited to see him in Beach Bum he looks like he has some crazy ass hair in that and uh, interesting performance so that'll be one to see as well so good year for uh, Mr. High School Musical. True. Um, another little bit of news, a uh, little big, big bit of news. So for like the last like 10 or 12 years, we've been wanting a Zombieland sequel. It's gone through development hell where it was going to be a TV series and it was scrapped and it was going to be a sequel of a movie. It was scrapped and now finally it's coming back with everybody involved and they released a poster and I just have to say it looks the same poster as the first film and... To me, these characters didn't age at all. Like, it, nobody looks older. Nobody looks a decade except, older here. <laughs> except Abigail Breslin. She looks a little older, but not much, though. I was like, was this her from the first film? I can't tell. Yeah. But I am excited about it. Of course, we all like Zombieland. I think we'll like Zombieland 2. Are you hoping for a Bill Double Murray tap. cameo? Um, maybe. Maybe... Like what's left of him? Yeah, I mean, he'll be a zombie. I guess. Yeah, it'll be great. (laughs) Ah, so funny if he actually does show up. Um, Or maybe they have him. Like they manage to turn him into a zombie, um, somehow miraculously, and they keep him in their like shed, kind of like shot of the dead or something yeah because i remember in the first movie they they shot him and killed him and then the next scene you kind of see is he dies and then they had him wrapped up in a shroud and throw him over so i wonder if they actually shot him in the head or if they just left him in the shroud and he gets up i don't know it could be fun yeah they'd be like oh, we gotta go f- it's hey it's your turn to go feed Bill back okay it is super, super fun. Um, so moving on to video game horror movies, uh, or video game horror, really. Silent Hill, the video game, turns 20 today, and if that doesn't make you feel old, oh my god. Uh, but I guess they're not doing any Silent Hill game coming up. Actually, Guillermo del Toro and Norman Reedus uh, tried to get a Silent Hill game off the ground a few years ago, and there was a, a little beta game you could play, and it was super creepy and scary, uh, but it never went anywhere. But there is a new video game uh, called Negative Atmosphere, and it's supposed to um, kind of not coincide, but be very similar to the horror video game franchise Dead Space. Uh, Preston, have you played Dead Space before? Nope, not a gamer guy. Not a gamer guy. So dead. if you're into horror and you have a video game, Dead Space 1, 2, and 3. Uh, dead Space 1 and 2 are unbelievably scary and good. Like Sometimes you're like, oh, it's a, sca- it's a game. Who cares? It's not scary. These are scary. They are super gory and frightening on all levels. So we've been waiting for a game similar to S- Silent Hill or Dead Space and I think this negative atmosphere game is very promising uh, for survival horror. Uh, so very, very excited for this. Uh, there are tons of 
videos and screen captures from the mo- or from the game. Uh, if you want to take a look at that, I think you might enjoy it. So be on the lookout for Negative Atmosphere. Very exciting stuff. So, uh, Preston, you got to get you a gaming system, get you some horror games. I think you'd like them. Uh, no, I have no room in my life. <laughs> I'll, I'll take up that slack then. <laughs> um, Go for it. Let's see. All right. What about Preston? Do you know anything about this new Stephen King book? Uh, n- not too much. I mean, I, I, I saw that it's going to kind of be more in line with it and just having that uh, kid star power, I guess. As it says. Yeah, so it's called The Institute. It will be released on September 10th of this year, and it is a 576-page book from Stephen King himself. Uh, And it just, yeah, it looks like kids' uh, story of good versus evil. Uh, Telekinesis and... Yes. That sort of stuff. So Firestarter-ish. Yeah, so I'm uh, I'm kind of excited for this. I always like new Stephen King stuff. So I'm, when's the last? What's the last Stephen King book you've read? The last Doctor Sleep. Mm. That was the last one I read. So I uh, and I think that has uh, a release date uh, that was just announced. The movie. Mm-hmm. Was it was yeah. it was it later uh, this year or oh yeah they they pushed it to yeah it's it's November eighth okay so you probably won't see it at South by but there's a chance they might show it at uh, Fantastic, Fantastic Fest. Fest yep um so yeah I guess that was the last one and I'm before that I know I read the Cell I'm trying to remember what else I read what, have you read any of his books recently no um don't don't have a whole lot of time to read. I, I listen to audible, um, like books on tape on my way to work, but, uh, no, not too much. I did get, uh, this is interesting. So Henry Thomas, uh, wrote a book, his first book, and it has to deal with goblins and awesome. it's called the, it's called the window in the mirror and it's supposed to be a part of a series. So that's my next book that I'm reading. Oh, I'm going to have to get that. I uh, got a chance to talk with him for a while a few years ago, and it was a fantastic uh, discussion we had. Yeah, I talked to him probably about, I think, like eight years ago or something like that. It was in Austin. So, yeah, he's a good guy, and I like all the choices he's made lately. So that'll be fun. No, that's awesome. Henry Thomas's version of Lord of the Rings or something. Um. That is pretty badass. Uh, I am I'm all in. I like Henry Thomas a lot. Um, besides that, is there any other horror news you wanted to bring up? Any uh, releases? Actually, um, from I think Arrow Video or MVD, they released the horror ex- or they announced Horror Express and Audition, the Takashi Miike amazing film coming yeah, to Blu-ray. Arrow. Yeah, Aaron. coming out in, in February. Yep, I'm excited about those. Very excited. Uh, so I had I don't remember the Horror Express, but I saw Audition when it first came out back, you know, 18 years ago, basically, and uh, I was introduced to Takashi Miike, and I fell in love with all of his insanely fucked up films. Um, 
Uh, but Audition, Audition is a very weird movie. We're going to leave that at that because I imagine we're going to do a big uh, episode just on Audition. Sure. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I'm looking forward to those. Do you know anything about Horror Express? Because I do not. Um, no, not so much. I mean, uh, I've mentioned on here that I've been really getting into like a lot of the Hammer stuff and Dracula films. So um, I haven't looked too much into it. I just see Peter Cushing and that that gets me into it so uh yeah that's on my list to watch very very nice um what's it called uh yeah this looks it looks fun uh and I know Scream Factory announced something with the Praying Mantis or something like that recently oh yeah uh or maybe it was a moth was it the moth I'm gonna look it up real quick but I saw that, and there's quite a few of those that they're doing that seems like a lot of fun, kind of like that attack of the crab people or something like that, just like giant insects of some sort. Right? Yeah, they, uh, it's called Deadly Mantis. The Deadly Mantis. Deadly Mantis. Okay. Yeah, um, and then they're doing a moth one, I think. Correct. Well. Uh, and they are doing a what's the other one? Um, yeah, the witches and the Clovich Killer. So. And did we talk about, I don't remember if we talked about the man's best friend uh, coming to Blu-ray as well from Scream Factory? Oh, uh, yeah. Uh, we might have, but uh, I don't think so. Yeah, Maybe. man's best friend is basically Cujo and Terminator 2 combining <laughs> storylines. <laughs> when did it come out? Uh, the early 90s. Did you never see it? No, I've never seen it. Okay, so it, man's best friend's about like this giant white Rottweiler dog, and it's basically Cujo and Terminator Two, but in a dog, and it's really funny. Like think like do 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 do. It's really funny. You should check out the trailer for it because you'll laugh. But yes, it's coming out. It's crazy. <laughs> ah, so fun. Um, anything else? So is the dog bad or is it good? No, the dog's bad. Okay. <laughs> Terminator One, I guess not Terminator Two. Terminator One. Bad, bad dog. <laughs> oh, those early 90 movies. Is there anything else you want to bring up news-wise or anything? Mm, well, I guess we brought up Dr. Sleep's release date. I guess The Witches um, uh, also has a release date for, that Guillermo del Toro is doing. So naturally, you should bring that up since we're talking about Crimson Peak. So... Um, it's going to come out October 16th, 2020 with Anne Hathaway as the star. Very cool. Very cool. Um, and another little bit, we've talked about Jordan Peele's, all of his projects. Uh, but I guess one of his projects is he's redoing the Twilight Zone series and for CBS All Access. And I guess on April Fool's Day, they will air two episodes of the Twilight Zone from the new show. Which, I imagine, I don't know what to expect, because I know South Park has, you know, played April Fool's jokes on us, but it's an interesting uh, time to release that, don't you think? Uh, probably, um, but I imagine Jordan Peele, I mean, the show will will happen. I don't think they'll just do a tease and be like, all right, never mind, it'll be uh, in a couple of months or a week or whatever. <laughs> I'm excited so, for it, and I mean, do you do you have CBS All Access? I do. Um, I bought it for two reasons: for Star Trek and Big Brother. So, um, Star Trek Discovery and Big Brother, which 
you know, there's a $5 option and a $10 option. I do the $10 option because I don't mess about with commercials. So mm-hmm. um, I figure it's $5 extra a month is worth that time. Um, yeah. Going I just to- didn't know what kind of ratings. Like, are they getting good feedback on that? So They are where- because the new Star Trek show is damn good. Um, it's like high budget. It's They're doing yeah. well with it. So it just... It's annoying uh, that you have to pay for it. You have to pay for the CBS All Access app. Even if you have a cable subscription to yeah. CBS, you can't use that. You have to pay the extra money, um, which is, I think, horseshit. But um, they're doing well with it so far. And plus, I mean, CBS has a ton of shows that you can go through their entire catalog and watch every season of it. Um, but again, oh, and you can also watch live TV off of the CBS access. Mm-hmm. So for the Super Bowl this Sunday, you can stream it live off the CBS access app. But uh, it's, I mean, People are going to do it, and then they get stuff like this, which will probably be pretty decent. Who knows, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, uh, I really want to watch Twilight Zone, so maybe I'll just come over and watch it. But, uh, yeah, I only have the Hulu Live TV, Hulu Netflix, and uh, stuff like that. But I just got to be, like as I've said before, got to be super selective. So yeah, that is my dog. She doesn't like uh, she doesn't like CBS either. <laughs> uh, dropping off some packages. I guess so. Yeah, yeah, she's crazy. Um, but uh, but yeah, really good cast though. That's on this on the Twilight Zone. Uh huh. Like we had Taste of Farmiga, John Cho, Greg Kinnear, Kumail Nanjani, Adam Scott, uh, Jacob Tremblay. Yeah, just a lot of good people. Did you ever watch the original uh, Twilight Zone series? Oh, yeah. I have it. Yeah, it's so good. So good. Um, yeah, I, I love it. So hopefully Jordan Peele will do it right. I'm sure he will. Um, we've only really seen yeah. what his one first movie. So, But I would imagine this second one or, is going to be... Or the new Jordan Peele, I yeah, should say. Yeah, the new Jordan. Not the Keanu Jordan Peele, but yeah. <laughs> Jordan Peele. Um, all right. Uh, is there anything else before we move on to bloody questions? No, that's it. All right. Bloody questions. Uh, we had, uh, we had some fun with it this week. This is where we ask a question horror wise and have some fun with it. See what our answers are. See what your answers are. Those of who are listening to us, you can email us at my bloody podcast at gmail.com and we will read your answers. Uh, also, we post the question to Reddit, and uh, we see what answers we come up with. So the question this week, uh, Preston and I went over, we thought was a good one, was, Preston, what horror movie character perfectly embodies your personality and soul? So basically, has there ever been a horror movie character that you just identify with, be it a hero or a masked villain themselves? Is there is there a horror movie character that you just identify with personality and soul wise? Um, yeah, and I think it's the uh, I've mentioned it to you because when you posted it on Reddit, I saw the first comment and I was like, "Damn, that's my pick!" So uh, behind the mask, Leslie Vernon. I've just always enjoyed him as a character, and I think he's so 
smart and witty. Um, and I, I like to think that I can be funny. At least I am around my wife. <laughs> or I You're think goddamn funny. funny. You're a delight, yeah. sir. <laughs> I, I laugh the hardest at my own jokes. So, um, yeah, I enjoy him as a character. So I think that I, I uh, would identify with him. Well, I like Minus it. the killing. Because he's really fucking charming. He's smooth as silk, and he gets the job done. I mean, it's, it's he's damn good. Like, you want to be friends with the guy, but he has a secret dark side. Is that what you're yeah. saying, Preston, that you have a secret dark side? Yeah, yeah. I uh, got some skeletons in my closet. Ooh. Literally and figuratively. Um, allegedly. <laughs> Uh, mine, I ha- I picked, like, two, basically, but, like, I, personally, of course, it would be Ashley J. Williams from Army of Darkness in the Evil Dead series. Uh, just a regular dude who wants to impress, uh, his main squeeze and go on a camping trip where literal hell breaks loose. And he just tries to work with it the best he can. He doesn't always succeed, but, you know, he, 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 has, he has fun while he's doing it, it seems like. I just think that's just like me, just a regular guy, just shit happens to him <laughs> and tries to deal with it. Uh, and my runner-up would be a cross between the Greasy Strangler and Buffalo Bill. So um, I think that's like deep down inside my soul and personality are those two people. Yep. Uh, I mean, I've been over to your house when you've been uh, blasting goodbye horses. So uh... <laughs> It's very true. It's very true. Goodbye, horses. So we, we're going to go to the Reddit uh, message board to see all the comments we got. And there's some really funny ones. Uh, Curry, uh, how do you say it? Curry Wren uh, says, what's the character that gets the fuck out as soon as the creepy stuff starts to happen? Because I'm that one. And <laughs> I responded with, so you're basically Marlon Wayans from A Haunted House. Uh, and then Call Bray says, "I remember Lawrence Fishburne was one of those in Event Horizon. Only he couldn't, he couldn't because he had a responsibility to his crew. He was that in the most badass way possible. So mm-hmm. I agree, I guess. Uh, Sar of Torture said, "Gale Weathers, full stop." <laughs> and I had to, um, I had to like which movie? I, yeah, I had to like remember who the fuck gail weathers was and i was like oh yeah that's courtney cox from scream so uh i thought that was super funny uh there was bro mocassi says i'll send you a copy um i'm leroy green responded with the little kid julian in the most recent halloween movie uh Is, is that the is that the dancer one or the one that's uh was like oh shit i'm getting out of here too i think it i think it was the oh shit kid i'm getting out of here i think yeah cutting his uh toenails and whatever getting out uh jwbm had a great post that i loved uh he said he's tangina from poltergeist i'm an affable fat dude who's always being called in to fix other people's messes And if it's you don't good. remember Tangina, that she's he's that that's the character, the real short. Uh, this house is Claire, um, the little short lady Zelda Rubenstein from Poltergeist, which I thought that was really funny. Yeah. And she's in uh, Rise of Leslie Vernon. Yes, yes, she is. Uh, Crispy on the outside said, 
Pat from the awesome thriller Green Room, a fairly unsecure man with a lot of doubts about himself that somehow ends up being one of the last characters to live in the movie, but with a mutilated arm and no sense of what to do next after the credits roll. I just thought that was a great answer because I thought about it's a great that. answer. Um, is can we say that Green Room is technically horror? But yeah, yeah, I guess I mean yeah, in a way, yeah, I would say so. Awesome. He, I mean, he says awesome thriller, so horror thriller, I guess. Yeah, that works. Um, Ririo, Ririo Okio, uh says Veronica Sawyer from Heathers, if that counts. Otherwise, Sadako Yamamura, we have similar hair. Mm. So there is that. Um, Smelly Feet says Spencer from Nightmare on Elm Street 6. The kid was just goofy. <laughs> <laughs> Um, Sunny Kick says Paxton from Hostel. Interesting. Um, Marty from CITW, and I'm trying to remember what CITW is. Do you remember? Nope. CITW movie. Oh man, what was it? I remember. I ha- oh yeah, Cabin in the Woods. Cabin in the Woods. Marty mm-hmm. from Cabin in the Woods. Um. Yeah. Uh, the Crow Show, The Crow Show, who is our good friend who comes to Fantastic Fest. You can find him on The Crow Show on Twitch. He said, Black Philip in The Witch. What an absolute legend. I screamed when he slammed his horns into the father of the family. I hope to reach his level one day. Dude is my spirit animal. <laughs> 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 That's uh, pretty good, I thought. Yeah. And then uh, Little Miss Raven, our last comment, Little Miss Raven says, I mean, can this include horror short films? Because I relate to the look-see, because lots of people need to learn to move on. If it's strictly movies, then Dr. Saratane from Halloween, the recent Halloween movie. Yeah, she said, I'd be more curious about the monster murderer than actually escaping with my life. So that's interesting. I mean, that's a good way to look at it. Just didn't like his character, but yeah. Yeah, it's uh, pretty, pretty interesting. I uh, thought that was uh, pretty interesting. So, oh, well, oh, well. Um, And then, um, I guess the last one, Northern Lights PLS, uh, Dexter Morgan. So, there you go. Dexter Morgan, who, and then somebody says Dexter Morgan, who wears the scorpion jacket from Drive. <laughs> <laughs> so I had to get that in there for you, Preston. Uh, yeah, I mean, if I could weasel drive into this scenario, I would definitely be driver. Um, just very quiet, serious, just wants shit to get done so he does it himself. Yeah, so. It's good, it's good, it's good. Um, and I guess that is um, that is our, our um, bloody, bloody question, question this week. And if you have anything to add to that question, please email us at mybloodypodcast at gmail.com. Yes. So, on to my bloody recommendations. Um, Preston, do you have a recommendation for all of us today? Yes, I do. And you know what it is. Um, so I'm going to be very brief with this one because, um, I, I also listened back to our one from last week. And while 
I like a lot of the points that I brought up. It was very long, so I'm going to keep it short. So uh, this week I'm doing Velvet Buzzsaw, which is releasing on Netflix this Friday, February 1st. Um, it's the next or the third film from Dan Gilroy. Uh, he did Nightcrawler and Roman J. Israel Esquire. And uh, this one is more in line with Nightcrawler. If you've seen the trailer, and uh, part of me wants to say I hope you haven't, because uh, we mentioned a few episodes past, the trailer gives away a lot of the film. And so you kind of know who who's going to die, and they're just going to be ghosts in the film to you. Uh, but there's a lot more going on. So even if you have uh, some of the themes are very intriguing, uh, mostly um, how an artist invests their soul into their work. So to be real short, uh, the movie is just about these people who work at an art gallery. And one of the associates uh, stumbles across a trove of um, paintings uh, by her deceased neighbor. Um, the deceased neighbor doesn't have any family or friends. And so she took it upon herself to uh, take these paintings as a way to make a quick buck and rise in the ranks. And so... Um, uh, they put them up at the gallery and then uh, shits hits the fan. So I've said that again, but uh, that's essentially what happens. Uh, things start moving in the paintings. Uh, arms get cut off and get people get pulled into painting. So it's just like a, a psychological horror film in a way, a satirical horror film. Um, but pretty effective. I think if I had to uh, knock it a little, and I did in my review, which you can find on DittonRC.com, um, it's not quite as subtle as Nightcrawler is. Nightcrawler, I felt like, just said a lot about the horrors of journalism. And it just allowed a lot of it to be shown through the camera. We can observe it. And this one... Uh, things will happen and then uh, the next scene will feature characters kind of analyzing what happened instead of the audience uh, analyzing it. So they're kind of like speaking for us and I didn't really appreciate that. So it's, it's a little more overt uh, in comparison to Nightcrawler, um, but still pretty wild and enjoyable, good performances. Um, so, yeah, recommend that one, Velvet Buzzsaw. Yeah, I cannot wait to watch this. I really can't. It seems right up my alley. Yeah, really just a damn good title, too. It is. I mean, I feel like I want this on a shirt. Uh, yeah, or I just want to I brought, I brought it up to my editor, uh, and she had not heard of it. And I said, so this week I'm going to review Velvet Buzzsaw. She's like, what the hell is that? Um, I was like, yeah, that title is just amazing. It is, it is damn good. What is this beautiful? What is that velvet? Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, so, all right, my bloody recommendation and going along with um, Guillermo del Toro's Crimson Peak, which all takes place in a creepy ass house. I'm going with the 1977 amazing, insane film, simply titled House. 
And this is a Japanese movie. This is not the house from House 1 or House 2. This is simply 1977's house. Uh, directed by Nobuhiko Obayashi. And it's insane. Have you seen this, Preston? I have not. Okay, so go to Criterion Collection and purchase House. Or wait to... Um, Wait till Barnes & Noble has their 50% off sale and get this movie. Or the Criterion Channel. Yes, the Criterion Channel. It's, it is such a crazy, insane horror movie, and it plays out very funny, but gross and weird. It's, I don't know how you would describe this. It's very hard to describe, but the, uh, <laughs> the movie itself is, uh, follows, uh, a group of seven young Japanese girls, and they have names like Fantasy and Kung Fu <laughs> and Gorgeous. Um, and they're, they're these seven girls are all sisters, and they are uh, her. Their father is dating a new woman uh, after the death of their mother, and they all go to this house where their aunt is uh, living, and. From once they move there, they all get killed and eaten by various supernatural means. <laughs> and it's super weird and super fun and gross and hilarious all in the same way. Uh, it is amazingly shot. The cover art is incredible. Uh, I just think there's this, there's nothing like this ever. Uh, in a movie, and it's never been replicated uh, from how it is. But that's kind of what the movie is about, and that's all I'll say because I don't want to give anything away uh, from how just chaotic it is and how weird it is. But if you like mm. weird, strange horror movies you've never seen, especially of the Japanese variety, give this a look. Uh, <laughs> Uh, it's crazy. Um, from Criterion Collection, they did a good job, so you're going to get a ton of great extras with it. Um, so, uh, tons, tons of good stuff on it. It's it's a it's a must see, must own movie called House. Highly recommended cool. from 1977. So, uh, and if if you're confused on the title and what to get, there's a giant orange cat on it uh, that just says mm. House. I have seen that. Yes. Yeah. So that is that. Uh, it is amazing. But to our main event of the day, the episode, my bloody, my bloody podcast, um, we are going to be talking about the amazing movie Crimson Peak, which came out in 2015, which I believe Preston and I saw at Fantastic Fest. It was a secret screening with Guillermo del Toro. Um, I wasn't, I popped over into the screening. Um, yeah, I didn't right. watch it. That's right. Uh, I went to, I went to go see uh, green room. Yeah. You and I went to see green room and then we popped in for the Q and a with Gremo, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. That's what we did because, uh, the movie was coming out in a few weeks. So, uh, and then green room didn't come out for like half a year. Right. But it's a, it's a great movie, uh, starring Jessica Chastain, Tom Hiddleston, uh, far from his character Loki, Charlie Hunnam, which I still don't get why Guillermo del Toro casts him and stuff, um, and Mia Wasikowska. Yeah. So, uh, Preston, 
Well, I guess, I mean, a lot of people saw this movie when it came out, and Mm -hmm. they were like, oh, shit, it's Grimmel the Taurus going to be scary as shit because the trailers look scary, and everybody was kind of disappointed in it. It's like, that was, like, not a scary movie. And I was like, no, it's his gothic romance. It's like a gothic romantic movie with elements of horror in it. But to creep you out or scare you like Hereditary, no. But what do you think, Preston? I think uh, now is a good time to revisit that film if you've ha- if you've seen it and weren't too hot on it uh or if you've never seen it it's a good time to see it uh just because you may have heard all of that read into all those reactions um i have to admit when i saw it i was slightly disappointed just because of the way that they marketed it it they made it look like they really leaned into that creep factor and showed a lot of the ghosts and the tension and all and those ghosts and tension all that stuff is there but uh it's through it's in a different context um it it you know it reminds me a lot of uh uh, we reviewed it on the show. What what lies beneath that kind of feel? Yes. Where um, well, what lies beneath was a little more thriller based, and this one is, as you've said, gothic romance. And so, the first thirty minutes or so is just feels like a period drama, and it has really good drama going on. Um, you know, what's Akaska's uh, character's father in this film has a really good scene where he's talking to Tom Hiddleston's character about um, privilege and how America was built uh, from effort by effort uh, versus privilege. And, and so he's judging uh, Tom Hiddleston's character by saying, well, you're, you're just somebody who comes from pri- uh, privilege. You're like, you're just a rich boy. Who... And so there's just a lot going on. There's many layers to it. And, uh, in speaking of hammer, it reminds me a lot of like old hammer films. Um, cause it features characters, uh, principally Mia's character going through the hallways with the candle and then facing a lot of these things that go bump in the night. But, um, as, as it turns out, like a, in a normal horror film, or I shouldn't say normal, but from what you would expect from what the trailer shows you, you think that the ghosts are the enemy, but it turns out it's just other people in the, in the film. And so, um, just a very effective film and, uh, revisiting it, uh, because arrow put out this really great thick box release for the film. Um, which has like all these new features on it, mostly like re-edited stuff, um, but still good. There's a lot on it. Just one disc, but just a cool booklet has like concept art and articles on it. And they, they put a lot of focus into uh, the production design, which is the best part of the whole film is just the house that's at the center of the story, you know, there's that cliche of like the house as a character or it's like something like that. But, uh, it truly is like, it is the star of the film. Like it's got a, a hole in the house that has like snow dripping in and, um, uh, the house is built on all this red clay and, uh, like it uses to the surface yeah. looks like blood. Yes. And so there's just, 
the the imagery, the way that it's shot, it's just so stunning and well done. And 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 it's and I, I think that a lot of people didn't give it enough credit. And so I think if you go in knowing that it's not going to be this hardcore ghost story, kind of like The Conjuring or something like that, um, and just the, the, be wrapped up into the romance of it all, I think you'll walk away pretty pleased with it. And so I originally gave it like three and a half stars out of five, but uh, now I would bump it up a half star and give it give it four. I just really enjoyed watching it again and the, the performances. And it has all those uh, signature touches that Guillermo del Toro has in his films with like practical effects and body horror, just like, you know, a lot of stuff happens to people's faces. Um, like, as you know, you'll watch like Pan's Labyrinth, somebody getting shot in the face or shape of water, or, um, people getting stabbed in the face, getting crushed. And so it's got, it's got a lot of the elements that you would appreciate from horror films and other Guillermo del Toro films. So, um, yeah, just really, really enjoyed it. And so, I uh, would recommend uh, revisiting it or watching it and picking up this Arrow release, which is loaded with good stuff. Yeah, so I, I went through it you know, fairly quickly late last night. I went to go see Book of Mormon at the Dallas Summer Musicals last night, but after I got home, I, um, I uh, put my old copy of Crimson Peak in. I have to go get this new one because I really like this movie. And I just remember seeing it for the first time and just loving like the characters in it and like the mood like Preston said like there's nobody like Grimo del Toro that can do what he does he just he takes this story you know of this young female author who lives with her wealthy father um and is courted by a local dude uh, but then one day, Tom Hiddleston comes strolling into town who has an invention, and there's like a love thing. And then somebody is not who they're saying they are, like in this movie. And it's just kind of like, whoa, what's happening? And just the the mood and the tone of the whole film is just so, so hypnotizing that you can't look away. Just like every shot of the film is great. And you know, like when you say about the red clay, I wonder if... Um, if, uh, what's his name? Oh, hell. The guy who did The Last Jedi with, uh, the crate salt, the red salt under crate. Mm-hmm. Uh, if he got something like an idea from this movie to have that under there, because it's really cool looking. Yeah. Um, I guess the sidebar moment would be I know Ryan Johnson read like this article that Birth Movie's Death put out about how the things that should be done in the new star Wars and make planets look different. So maybe, maybe it was inspired by, by that. I really thought you were about to say, um, I wonder if Guillermo del Toro, uh, used this for this red clay for his, Oh hell, Hellboy or something. <laughs> uh, um, but, uh, yeah, like w- you, you brought up, uh, that, uh, Mia's character, uh, is, is is an author, and so she's writing a book, and so it interestingly it opens with like her writing this book, which is based off of a ghost ghost experiences that she's had. Hers, like the movie opens with her saying, 
ghosts are real. I know this is true. And the first time it happened was right after my mother died. And so the movie like opens pretty much with a creepy ghost, which Doug Jones portrays. And it has that uh, angel of death look from Hellboy 2 and Pan's Labyrinth with the way that they they move and the fingers and the ghost design itself is really cool because you know most of the time we we see them as like uh either ghosts and sheets or um they look pretty much how they looked when they died but this one they like they look they're decaying they're falling apart they you see like an exoskeleton or a skeleton so there's a lot of design put there and that's where Guillermo del Toro is at his best is with his designs that he comes from that's made from his nightmares. And so that looks really good. But uh, so Mia writes stories based off of ghosts and um, she sends it to like her editor or somebody to publish it. And then it's the guy from Titanic and the strain. <laughs> and um, <laughs> he, uh, he says, uh, you, you should write romances instead yeah and so and then they have that dialogue about why does it have to be why does a woman have to write about romances why can't you write about ghost stories and things like that so there's that's that's leaning into what i said earlier about it having many layers and different things going on so even if it seems like it's boring and i know a lot of people have complained about the second half of the film which is essentially pretty repetitive with noises and creepy stuff going on in the house and she's going to investigate it walking around with the candle but there's there's something always going on like there's anticipation there and so i never felt bored by it so me neither um, i didn't either and i also thought that it had a romeo and juliet vibe to it a little bit with the relationship as well as like maybe a little bit of kubrick-esque pacing or you know mood to it um which i thought was really good but yeah, did you get that get, at all? Yeah, yeah. Um, I would love to get into a spoilers here at this point. So if you haven't seen it, uh, skip ahead. But um, in terms of the romance, like I like, uh, like from early on in the story, you can start picking up that there's some sort of weird attraction going on here between uh, Hiddleston's uh, Thomas Sharp and uh, Lucille uh, from Jessica. Chastain's character that there's something kind of going on there like I initially thought that they were they were a married couple um and then they just had this scheme going on but as it turns out they really are brother and sister and so um takes it to a whole new level of messed up um so (laughs) see hold the dark (laughs) hell yeah 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 uh incest yep um but yeah like i really like that tom hiddleston um is essentially changing who he is and he really wants to be with me as character and just has a change of heart and so i just appreciated that like there's there's like a jane austen kind of feel uh edgar Allan poe a little bit shakespeare um, so there's just like a lot of still stuff going on. And I, I really think, uh, it needs to be looked at again. No. Yeah. I, uh, yes, yes, yes. It's give it another shot because I, after I saw this movie, I think I saw it twice in the theater 
And I mean, I've seen it, you know, a number of times on home video. But I think after you see it, it, it really does stick in your mind for a while after you watch it. Uh, yeah. And there's like, you know, this could this could have been like any old haunted house horror movie, but it's not. Thank yeah. God, it's something completely yeah. different. Yeah, well, it's it's nice when kind of like the village. You know, a lot of people went to the village thinking it was going to be one movie, and ended up being another. And then it's kind of similar in that regard. uh, That it's just uh, not as scary as people want it to be. It's definitely creepy. I mean, it has images in there, but I guess just because of the the dramatic current that's in the film, that it causes people to kind of dismiss a lot of great stuff in it, and so. yeah, just uh, really enjoyed watching it again, and it's one that I'll probably revisit a couple of times just because it's a, a damn gorgeous movie. It is, um, and you said that there's a new release from Arrow. So I have the yes. original one. So on the original Blu-ray, there was Guillermo del Toro uh, audio commentary. There was a 20-minute like four-part feature that has like sets and locations and talking about that. There's deleted scenes gothic romance uh wardrobe stuff is that all on here too or are they all new stuff yeah yeah i mean it's pretty loaded i was like going through it and there's just a lot of stuff some some stuff is like newly edited um so i i think it features new interviews in there um kind of sprinkled throughout but i mean if this is newly edited i just imagine they just took a lot of the uh, B-roll stuff and interview stuff that they had in the past and kind of constructed it into making its own little nice documentary. And I've watched that and it's feature length. Um, and uh, what else does it have on here? Uh, yeah. Spanish language interview. Is it all, is, is Toro's commentary on it still or did a new one? Yes. Okay. So yes. It has uh, audio commentary with Guillermo del Toro, just a bunch of different features, featurettes on the look, uh, costume design, production design, just yeah, all, if you've all, never all, heard, a lot of good stuff. Yeah, if you've never heard a Del Toro commentary, it, it's very lively and entertaining. Yes. And uh, this movie is by far uh, one of those good ones, for sure, for sure. Yeah. I, haven't, I haven't listened to the commentary for this. I will. But um, I do like his one for Pan's Labyrinth a lot. It's pretty much like uh, Jordan Peele's commentary for Get Out, where he's just explaining all the symbolism and his ideas and uh, maybe things you didn't even catch that pop up. And it causes you to be like, oh, man, this movie's more genius than I uh, thought. And so, yeah, I would would recommend doing that. And so I'm going to do it. Yeah, no, it's good. Yeah, get that one. Uh, get the new ones. It seems like because the the old uh, the older release, it looks like it has about sixty five, seventy minutes worth of extras of interviews and stuff like that. But it looks like they might have redone it all in one like documentary sort of thing instead of like individually. Yeah, I mean, it still has a whole lot of individual stuff. Okay. Um. So yeah, it's just it's. Uh, I was kind of. I initially thought there was going to be like multiple discs on there, but somehow they managed to squeeze all of that information onto one disc. But uh, yeah, the the design of the the cover itself is really cool. It has the the red uh, ghost lady that's in the film, and uh, just makes it look like a storybook, like a classic gothic romance. And so uh, yeah, if you, yeah, if you're a collector, get this shit. Hell yes. 
Um, Crimson Peak, I believe that wraps up this episode yeah. of my bloody podcast. Um, to go over, we recommend this movie Crimson Peak. We recommend the 1977 version of House. And this coming weekend, watch Velvet Buzzsaw on Netflix. Uh, but next week, we promised you we have a big thing in store for next week. We're going to have so much fun with this. Preston, do you want to tell everybody who we're going to have on this week or next week? Yes. Uh, potentially, we will have some of the guys from Mondo um, who do like poster designs, record designs. So strictly, we're going to focus on the record designs uh, with the release of They Live, uh, the Mondo release that's coming out. Um, I believe it's out now, or it's out this week. Um, so we're going to have those guys on there, and we're going to talk with them about uh, their designs and their day-to-day and their process and trying to get into all that and hopefully have them on for the whole episode to uh, even review They Live, which we love that film. And so... Um, if not, we'll just have a really good conversation with those guys and just do everything else ourselves. So it'll be fun regardless. We're going to be chewing bubblegum and kicking podcast yeah. ass. Yeah. Hell yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, we're My Bloody Podcast on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, and Google Play. You can find it at boomstickcomics.com. I'm Brian Kluger. You can find me as well on that or at highdefdigest.com. And then Preston, you can find him all over the internet. Where can they find you, good sir? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Preston Barta, B-A-R-T-A. Uh, you can also find me on Instagram where I'm a little more active, posting uh, daily recommendations uh, for physical copy uh, movies that you should pick up and watch. Um, and then you can find my writing on DittonRC.com where I had my review for uh, Velvet Buzzsaw just post. And I'm also the features editor of FreshFiction.tv, where we're posting all kinds of cool stuff. we got some early reviews up there already for movies that uh, have not yet hit the screen. But, um, like, I'm talking, like, real early. Um, like, we got Lego Movie up there and stuff like that. So uh, visit FreshFiction.tv for some of that. Very cool. And we'll be back next week with a fun episode. Thank you, Preston. Very welcome. <laughs>